Oh, raise your heads, children, and see a bird of myth. You gotta believe this shit, man, because it's coming from Fat Kev Smith. JLS is the bird, and spreading big-ass savings is his game. He's the bird of salesmanship. Jonathan Livingston sales goals is mine. Birds fucking flying on behalf of me, you, and Smod. Don't call that bird a deity, man. That motherfucker is a god. Bird of salesmanship going to take you to the Smodco show. Which is where all the reprobates and weird kids fucking go. Oh, yeah, man. Jonathan Livingston sales gold. Bird of salesmanship coming to let you know about some ways you can support Smodco, man. Throw a little money in the fucking Smodco coffer. It's a lot of free. Helps to have a little money to make the free go, man. Speaking of free, though, I mean, you pay for cable, so it's not that free. But still, it's coming Thursday. Oh, comic book man, man. It's back. Episode two. Last week, we watched an MMA fight. MMA fight. Um, what's going to happen this week? Tune in and comic book man and find out Thursday, 9 o'clock. Uh, part of AMC's real original Thursday night, man. After us, there's two more shows. Man, one about taxidermy. It's like, what, man? Fucking, I can live forever in a taxidermist form? It's intriguing to me. Bird thinks like Disney. Thinking about cutting a bird's head off, freezing it. At the bird's suggestion so that when they find a cure for death, the bird can come back. Come back. The bird don't need a comeback. It's been here for years. Uh, that's comic book, man. Thursdays at 9, man. Tonight, though, uh, if February 20th, if that is tonight to you, Jay and Silly Bob at the Laugh Factory, man. Coming back for our second show at the Laugh Factory, 10 p.m., the Los Angeles Laugh Factory. Right there on Sunset, man. The Sunset Strip in Hollywood. Tickets at csmod.com. Oh, man, speaking of csmod.com, go there and get some tickets for Saturday night's show. Saturday at 8 o'clock, me and Ralph at the Lovitz, man, doing Hollywood Babylon. Uh, tickets at csmod.com. And now on to a new Smodco podcast. csmod.com for tickets. This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Head is the same as beheading a person's head. Dropping a bomb on a person's head is the same as beheading a person's head. Dropping a bomb on a person's head is the same as beheading a person's head.
Dropping a bomb on a person's head is the same as beheading a person's head. Dropping a bomb on a person's head is the same as beheading a person's head. Dropping a bomb on a person's head is the same as beheading a person's head. Welcome back, everyone. I have no idea what that song was that we just played because, well, I think Mercury's in retrograde because every button we push here in the studio makes something else happen. So uh, uh, I'll I'll get back to you later on what song that is or not. You'll just know it's a song and, and there will be words and someone will have written it and sung it. And uh, and then hopefully someday I'll I'll discover even what song it was that was in that section there. All right. Anyway, well, welcome to the show. I'm really excited, even though it is strange today. But it's fitting, though, because today the topic is insanity. And so it's already insane here. And uh, so, uh, as you know, I've been doing lately, uh, besides panicking on how fast the year is going by, because once again, now it's February 21st, which means it's almost over and one more week and we'll be done with February, which means one sixth of the year is gone. I don't know why that makes me want to cry, but it does. <sighs> anyway, uh, but it's great. The good news is that um, it is lighter later. I do like that. That makes me happier. It makes me feel like I'm not as old as I am. <laughs> Something about winter, which I love, but then it makes me feel old. I don't know what that is. Uh, uh, what's been happening in the world? Uh, nothing much, really. Uh, you know, things have been do- happening. People have been being born and 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 dying and uh and uh crazy people are running the planet um and uh oh we had a meteor that thing was totally cool did you guys see that thing oh now talk about insane oh i was so excited god it was one of those moments where i miss my dad because my dad would have been so excited about that thing um and the boom it made that crazy boom that was so cool uh, and I love the fact that everyone in Russia has uh, web ca- or cameras in their cars because I found out the reason they have cameras in their cars is because insurance companies don't believe anyone is innocent. They assume you're guilty. So you have to prove your own innocence. Only in Russia. I love Russia. It's so insane. Literally. And uh, so everyone now, I think everyone needs to get a car cam like that. I think we just all need to drive around recording constantly everything that's happening in front of our eyes. Uh, And uh, that way, when we, um, you know, hit the old lady, (laughs) we'll see it's her fault for being so goddamn slow. All right. Anyway, I've, uh, as you know, this, uh, this year, my practice is to write essays for every show. And uh, so I sat down this morning and uh, just let my brain unload. Um, and, and here's what it came up with. What would it take for you to really believe that you are welcome here on this big blue floating ball? 
I know it seems a strange notion, what with all the poverty, hurricanes, greed, traffic, and shows featuring a Kardashian. It makes one think, how is a human to thrive here? How much proof do you need to show you that your very vintage of human beingness is exactly what is needed most right now on this whirling ball of carbon-based life? I know it feels like it can't be possibly true, what with all the passive aggressiveness of your family of origin, the assault rifled acting out of the males of our species, and the intellectual regression of that grand old party. How is a human to find purpose amongst this angst and chaos? I wish I knew the easy way to feel comfortable in my skin or to move about the planet as if I was the guest of honor, feeling humbled and loved. For most decades of my life, I felt like the house guest who was staying at a friend of a friend and was awkwardly sleeping on the couch that more than vaguely smelled of old dog and Cheetos. I knew I needed to be moving on from such a temporary and ungrounded space, but I had no idea how or even where I was going. This ruthless world of photosynthesizing, mitochondrialite, evolving energy doesn't seem to give a shit about the fact that a slice of blue sky after days of rain can inspire an opera, or that we humans stood on the shoulders of generations of dreamers and risk-takers and somehow actually found ourselves standing on the moon. No, mostly it feels like this secular genesis machine— Howard Bloom's words, not mine, just doesn't give a shit that singing the blues makes this girl smile. Or does it? Does it matter? Does matter mind? Does mind matter? That is the question, it seems. Does the ever-expanding rush of life force care or not care about how I choose to feel connected to it all? Does my mindset about why I'm here and how I'm connected to the ocean, the lines on the freeway, children in Bulgaria, and the future of bees make a dent in anything? Lately, I've been living as if the very space around me is alive and wanting to be in conversation with me. I've been walking through my day, allowing people and places and things to show up in a way that keeps me fully present to the experience of living. This morning, I paused for the stunning burst of white blooms on the tree on the corner. I let their brash display flirt with me. A few weeks ago, I chuckled as a stooped and highly coiffed elderly woman in an old jag casually crossed four lanes across Wilshire Boulevard while unwittingly disturbing the determined drivers around her. I saw how she was demanding respect, even in a society that would not give her any any more. This week, I've noticed how the moon has grown just a little bit each night. I thanked it for reminding me of the passage of time each day. I am not just a solo clump of cells flinging through space. I am part of the web of life that mind boggingly weaving itself into a body, mind, family, tribe, nation, state, species, sentient being, member of Earth, and participant observer of the universe. And since I have the chance to be here, to know that I am here, to experience the impact I have by knowing that I am here, then damn it, I'm going to believe that not only do I have the right to be here, but I am welcome and needed. So why does it matter, this feeling welcomed, this connection to purpose? 
Because when you feel these things, you can face the grim morning commute or the friend's cancer diagnosis or the empty rhetoric of our elected officials with a bit more sense of equanimity, wonder, and sense of humor. It matters because it lets you know that whether you are spending your morning smashing particles together to unlock the mystery of the universe or teaching your five-year-old son to tie his shoes, you can look up and look around and say, yes, we are here. We are here. That was Kelly Carlin in the role of Cindy Lou Who. I took off my clothes, threw them down on the floor And then I left behind my wall and walked out my front door I was standing stark naked right there in the street With nothing covering my chest and nothing covering my feet Until the old lady screamed, somebody call the police She said, lock them up, lock up the super freak This ain't no two-bit town or midnight cabaret And then the jury looked down and said, someone have you got to say I'd rather look like a fool and go my whole damn life afraid. Hold it. Well, people leaving for work, they just sat still in their cars. By the way, everybody was acting, you would have thought I was armed. But I was just feeling back to nature like I could finally be free. Till the police car pulled up and said, son, come with me. I said, officer, I'm tired of being judged by my looks. People keep putting down the cover and never reading the book. This ain't no two-bit town or midnight cabaret. And then the jury looked down and said, someone have you got to say? I'd rather look like a fool than go my whole damn life afraid. You can't bury a brand name with you in your grave And if you walk around naked, think of the cash you save You can pack up your suitcase in two seconds flat And you won't have to worry cause everybody will know if you're fat May the wind always be with you at your back And may you never be ashamed of anything you lack This ain't no two-bit town or midnight cabaret And then the jury looked down and said Someone have you got to say I'd rather look like a fool than go my whole damn life afraid. Uh, so today's topic uh, with the octagon is insanity. But before we get to our actual <laughs> topic, um, I thought I would just go around and uh, let people say hi, and uh, I'll introduce them all. And and if you guys have anything uh, pertinent uh, for the planet uh, that you want to talk about before we get into the topic, uh, you will have an opportunity at this point. So uh, my first guest on my left is uh one of my dear friends who uh pushes me creatively kicks me in the butt uh lets me know if i'm going to do anything stupid and uh corrects my grammar and punctuation <laughs> not the only person on this panel who does that 
which is something my father used to do. Uh, it's Mr. Dylan Brody. Welcome to the show, Dylan. Thank you very much for having me, Ms. Kelly Carlin. Uh, I have nothing uh, particularly pertinent and useful to say to the planet. I do have this thought on insanity. Mm -hmm. I and many people I know have been working very hard for many years to come up with interesting and uh, important and influential ideas to put on television. And instead, there is a series about women fitting large-breasted women for bras. <laughs> <laughs> we will absolutely be getting to that aspect of insanity later in the panel. Uh, our next guest is a gentleman who uh, kind of like uh, unzips the top of my head Woo! and 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 makes psychedelic colors go in and out every time I watch anything he does because he's a man who uh, has uh, the best form of insanity, I believe, and always makes me laugh. And really, it just makes me giggle with kind of a girlish glee. Uh, Mr. Chris Bono, welcome Hello. to the show. Hi. Hello. Hello, everyone. We're clapping today. Oh, it's a clappy day. Mm -hmm. I call it controlled schizophrenia. <laughs> Excellent. Um, nice. Um, I guess that way I have, of course, the master control with the little guy in there moving things. <laughs> nee, nee, nee. More of this, less that. The hues are all too bright. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, I think uh, there are some people who would hear what you read and go, I, I just want to continue working at Kinko's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I prefer it if you didn't say anything that makes my head hurt or maybe look at my wife differently, you know. So, um, but yeah, I, I think the opposite is, of course, insane as well, which is just sleep and eat and make things on paper that other people tell me to that I don't care about while I tolerate people to the right and left. And go home and look at the bra show. If I look at the bra show, everything will be fine. So there you are. That's what they want you to think. If yeah. you look at the bra show, everything will be fine. <laughs> Uh, and my next guest, who is sitting straight across from me right now, is uh, my older brother, my um, fellow spaceship traveler, uh, the man who taught my father a proper Sean Connery <laughs> impression, <laughs> Mr. Rick Overton. Hello, Sister Kale. <laughs> May I just say again what a splendid piece that is that you said mm. up top there. That was magnificent sanity. Thank that you. That was the uh, uh, template for sanity. Mm. It's when, fact. And when you're starting to feel crazy, just go back, read that piece again. Yes. Get yourself out of crazy town, shortcut style. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you call each other brother and sister, I feel like we're on the Tavis Smiley show. <laughs> <laughs> I so want to have a smiley to call me sister one day. Yeah, <laughs> sister Kelly. Um, I aim into that. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know my line. I say uh, I'm weird, but I'm saving up to be eccentric. <laughs> Because everyone gets off your back once you're a rich, crazy guy. Then you're not crazy. Oh, what what interesting new thing do you have to say? I won't I won't try to avoid eye contact now that you have more money. You know? right. So uh, it's it's a huge correlation of sanity to money. Yes, interesting. You know, they used to think time okay. was money. 
No, sanity is money. Okay, I like that. Because over, you can do the craziest stuff in the world yep. if you're super rich, and nobody goes, oh, that's okay. Yep. Tomorrow's another day. They'll get over it. If you're not rich and you do that, it's done forever. Yes. They, they stamped you, you they know. put you in a big stone building. That's it. Normal human <laughs> mistakes get labeled as permanent school records. Interesting. Okay, so <laughs> so sanity and class warfare. We will we will tackle that later, too, folks. And uh, the uh, last but certainly not least, but most petite participant on our panel is a woman who has, you know, I thought I loved the word cunt. And, uh, and, you know, because ever since I was seven or eight years old, the word has been clearly in my life due to my father standing on a stage and saying it in front of me and everyone in the audience turning around going, Ooh, there's a seven year old in the audience. Uh, but, but, this, uh, but it's part of country. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I love the raunchiness and yet elegance of our final panel- panelist of the day, Miss Suzanne Wong. Welcome. Wong! Kelly, you're my favorite cunt waffle. <laughs> See? Isn't that mm. awesome? Well, you know, I think you know that part of when I do my stand-up comedy as myself, I say that cunt comes from the root word that means goddess. Mm. It is actually true. Kundalini, yoga, cunt, it all comes from the root word meaning goddess. And so look at what we've done to that word over yes. time. And so now it's the worst thing you can call someone, but we need to take it back. So mm. now when someone calls you a cunt, I want all women to say... Oh, thank you so much. Namaste. (laughs) Receive it. Receive it. Bow and say namaste every time someone calls you that. (laughs) Um, I would like to reiterate what Rick Overton said, which is that that piece that you wrote at the beginning of this episode blew my fucking mind. And when you said, does matter mind, does mind matter? All of us here were like, let's, can we, we better write that down. It was asking which of us can steal that fast. Yes. That was breathtaking. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you guys all know the writing process. You sit down and I don't know what comes through me or you or us. I mean, it's crazy. And then that line came to me and I was like, oh, my God, it's elegant. It's it's beautiful. And and it's exactly what you came out my pen. uh, Yes, I love it. Love it. I also want to say that Dylan Brody looks so handsome right now. I'm I'm uncomfortably and surprisingly uh, sexually attracted to him right now, and um, great. That's all I, he'll be thinking about I, now. The I, rest I, of the show. I would like to say. I would like to say that if Suzanne Huang is the most petite of the guests, then my self-image is all screwed up. <laughs> Body hey, dysmorphia. Me and Chris will be around to wax your car if you want. We'll <laughs> <laughs> be over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Susan. And I love what you said about Chris Bono unzipping your mm-hmm, head, mm-hmm. and uh, Rick Overton is um the reason that I'm still a stand-up comedian is because the first one of the first times I ever did stand up as my character Sunghee Park was at the Friars Club and <laughs> wow. this man That's who's awesome. Mr, you know, heavy hitter hardcore veteran stand-up comic yeah. came up to me and was so encouraging and supportive of me and has been ever since then. Absolutely. So thank you. Thank you Rick Overton for oh, that because man. you know that we as artists need support from each other to keep going because it's 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 really it's tough it is it's tough it's no. insane it's insane I, <laughs> I hate being wrong and Kelly. thanks for once again not proving it wrong <laughs> Kelly I love that this is your show but what I'd like to say about Rick Overton <laughs> is years ago in Austin Texas I was in an improv troupe where the only thing I knew how to do or thought that worked to get a laugh was falling over. <laughs> 
I did it. I did it in the middle of a sentence. If things weren't going well, and Rick showed up, and he was there for the week, and everyone was talking about him. Before he showed up, it was like, oh, this guy's coming. You got to see this guy. What guy? What's in there? Overton. It's Overton. It's Overton. Rick. Overton. Rick. Overton. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's insane. His fucking mind insane. Insane. His yes. mind's like just open. You never know what he's gonna do. Oh, it's always Chris, gonna all change. I did was come up and just throw my arm around. You go, hey, buddy. You Can sure are falling over a lot. Yeah, he did. He did. And he had smelling okay? salts and everything in his pockets. At least that's times. what he said they were. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of times to do one thing over and over. I have the same hip that I'm now going to replace. Well, that's you know, um, one definition of insanity is that you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Of course, you expect the same results because you're expecting so, a laugh every time. Uh, well, he was the Buddha, the, the, the guy that came up and hit me over the head with the bamboo stick. Aha, uh-huh, so the Zen master. Every, yes. changed I wanted that. to see you fall over one more you, time. You got a couple of good ones in there. <laughs> yeah, right? that's all. I'm sorry. I came. You know, it hurt. Moment of weakness. There. Nothing <laughs> makes my wife laugh harder than anybody falling out of frame. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's true. Or having something spill, liquid spill on someone. Yes. Oh, no, it's just weird. Funny. I think we're it's wired funny. for that. Yeah. I mean, that and farting. I mean, farting is always funny. I'm yeah. Especially <laughs> to Koreans. Koreans think that farting is the funniest thing in the world to the point where we have wow. a special word. First of all, the word for fart in Korean is funny. Bangu. Oh, nice. Bangu, right? And there then somebody go. who farts often or too much is a bangu jengi. And anytime somebody farts, I mean, Koreans in the room, just forget it. And me and my sister on an elevator and someone farts, I mean, it's just impossible. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> Shaking, crying. So you make a song, bangu, bangu, bangu. And that's a, it would mean something different to us then. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bangu jengi. Is it jengi? Jengi, bangu jengi. My master, anytime anyone farts in uh, martial arts class, he'll say, oh, special defense. (laughs) (laughs) And it it solves that moment of tension where everyone's going, oh, should we say anything? Special defense. I love it. So uh, onto our topic today, I, uh, you know, I've always... I, it's funny when I went to get my master's in psychology, and I knew the the place I was going to go was going to focus on Carl Jung's uh, psychology, and um, and I knew a little bit about him. I knew you know he was into like collective unconscious and archetypes and things like that. But I found this quote by him today, and it just made me so happy. It just says everything to me, which is. Show me a sane man, and I will cure him for you. (laughs) Uh, Nice. Nice. Yeah, Yeah. which for me, really, I mean, it's, it it just, it holds the, the, the hope of insanity. Well, the very concept of insanity is really kind of appealing, particularly to creatives, I think. Mm-hmm. I think as you sort of struggle through life, also for, for adolescents, there's this sort of romanticization of the idea that, if, wow, if I could just fully embrace this world in my imagination, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't be held accountable anymore for my actions. I could just goof around and sing and dance in the streets and no one would care. And it, I, over time... We forget to even think about the fact that there's no reason to care if somebody is singing and dancing in the streets. <laughs> That's, That's not hurting anyone. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. right. But it's not the norm. But that's perfect because that reminds me of that, uh, you know, that refrigerator magnet that says, um, dance like no one's watching, sing like nobody's listening, mm-hmm. love like you've never been heard, like that thing. The and refrigerator yeah, magnet? The... I thought that was written by a Facebook friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but... And don't you have to say it like, don't you have to say it, dance like no one's watching. <laughs> 
But if you do that, like you are called yeah. insane. When I uh, when I walk my dog, sometimes I'll skip down the sidewalk just for no other reason than because I'm happy and I enjoy it. But the way that society is set up, oh, that woman must be insane if you or if i were to just spontaneously be singing or dancing that's why flash mobs are so great because we're taking what would normally be considered insanity and now we're going look at this this is wonderful and why does it always move people to tears when they're suddenly bursting into song and dance and and that whole thing of like who cares what other people think yeah isn't that part of what insanity gets defined as someone who's doing something Mm -hmm. and doesn't care what other people think well people are starting to see the value of it more and more and more it's breaking the pattern because people are in such a pattern and that's why it affects others emotionally because if they're so submerged in their idea of what they're supposed to be that they don't even realize is this rigid box that they're walking through thinking they can see through, then that moment breaks it for them and touches them in a place that they might not even reflect on later, but they do in that moment. It's a relief. Feel it like they're playing instruments and in, you know in the subway and yeah, and there's a there's a there's a, a connection that happens in those flash mobs for sure. that because we are breaking the norm of the space and the place right. and. Uh, uh, it, it 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 it's like all the masks come off, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's part of it too. Is that you know I I I think I mean I think real insanity people have a fear of real insanity, and uh, and yet I know that most people feel like they're shackled in their personality or shackled in in their way of life, and they want to break free of something. Never more than recently. Yeah, it's starting to set back because I remember watching one huge cultural break where everyone at first all the beatniks all those crazy beatniks turn into hippies and they're all those crazy hippies but man there sure are a lot of them suddenly <laughs> and they look like they're having fun they're having you know, a lot of fun they're getting laid roughly a thousand <laughs> times more than me and they're they're laughing and i'm miserable yeah i can't imagine what they have that i don't honey how do you tie a double windsor again yeah, right. i can't imagine what they have that i don't <laughs> I should have stapled the instructions next to the bathroom wall on the bathroom wall for the Windsor. I should <laughs> you should have done that. I should have. Woulda, shoulda, but coulda. I was thinking about so like, and, and I think the hippies, the hippies, those crazy wacky kids, <laughs> uh, but they they hold the, that that movement holds something because it's um, it, it's a moment where uh, a uh, a sense of uh, a a sense of part of the the culture or part of the the kind of the collective psyche is pushing the whole culture past mm. its norms you know past its edge and evolving it towards something at else at least it tried I, it, it, yes it, and well and i think it it ran its you look face. at civil rights and women's rights and ecology i mean some things have some things pushed. happened and yet what a lot of that mo- well civil rights barely moved mm-hmm. I, you know there were some Rules changed, and now you know we're a little well, more. Yeah, we're now we're going stepping backwards. Now we subvert our racism a little more. But uh, yeah. the the peace movement, which is really what it all built up around, has been lost. We've we've given up the very idea of peace. Yeah. When I mention even to other other liberal Democrats that I think maybe peace should be the goal, I hear, <laughs> well, you can't talk about that with the terrorists now, can you? Yeah. Well, yeah, they you got can't them. There's a lot of... Uh... We can't have peace until everyone agrees on it. What if I just I... don't hit you? Can we start there? <laughs> I, I call those faux-gressives. Progressive, nice, nice. Uh-huh. But you know, Dennis Kucinich and Marianne Williamson and the Department of Peace and the Peace Alliance. Not, everyone has not given up. Yeah, that on is this true. Concept. That is true. But it's it's been pulled from the general zeitgeist. Yeah, general zeitgeist. That's a little redundant. Yeah. <laughs> it's been pulled. I now I'll be correcting my own grammar for the rest of the. 
uh, it's, can we do an edit on that, Logan, so I don't sound like... Uh, it's been pulled from the zeitgeist so that any talk of peace is treated as though it's insanity. Yes, yes. Uh, as though pacifism is a form of insanity, the idea of non-aggression as a... As a a national goal mm-hmm. is mad. It's madness. I Hasn't anyone seen the movie War Games? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> he's gone mad. Yeah. Figured it out at the and end. He's invisible. They just move the lines from place to place. The whole planet's all fucked. If the, <laughs> with any configuration of the nuclear. <laughs> well, you know, Kurosawa said, uh, "In a mad world, only the mad are sane." That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He said it in a different language. Well, though. he did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that language. But he's, uh, yeah. Some Oriental. Yes, and, right. Japanese. And, man. and, and uh, smart reads crazy to stupid. Smart reads oh, crazy to stupid. to stupid. Wow. Love it. Uh, write that down. I'm write it down. Holy shit. Book, write it down. It's, steal it. Either your tweet or magical. One or the other. Well, that's what tweets, yeah, so that, uh, wasn't that uh, the quote uh, that any level of technology that Is goes that Arthur past- C. Clarke? No, I think it was Sagan. Okay. Said that well uh, to a primitive culture, if yeah. you land mm-hmm. in a ship, that they'll just think that's magic made the oh, ship land. Uh, they don't have imagine? any technical well, background. Even going back, the other stuff, yeah. Fifty years with this right. iPhone, it's Woo. now more advanced than Kirk's communicator from yes. Star Trek. I mean, I I would if I said, okay, I've got a device. Okay, I've come back in time, but I've lost this thing. But I had this device that had all the works of Shakespeare in it. She's and holding up an I could, iPhone. I could you push guys. a button, and I would communicate with someone across the planet on the other side, and at the same time. I could record my thoughts into it and... You know what would suck? Is that you could bring it with you and it wouldn't do anything. <laughs> There'd be no cell tower. It's oh, wait. <laughs> no, it was. It, it will so be really right cool device. when I... Uh, it's a coaster. Electricity came back the wall, in time with a coaster. <laughs> oh, everything's fusion, but no. So, <laughs> nothing plugs in. You just stand there. But this is from a time when they didn't do that. So, yeah, what does it do? We don't so, so, so we've all agreed that there's some level of general uh, insanity in the culture that 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 standards of our culture today in modern time when looked at in a in a kind of rational objective way are insane i mean it's when you when i was watching the republican primary uh debates last year yes mm-hmm. i really thought wow i i feel insane right now mm-hmm. that these are yes. adults mm-hmm. who are wanting the job of the most one of the most powerful people on the planet and they're <laughs> Some of them think o- Obama was, uh, you know, not born in this country and that he's an Islam. And some of them believe that there's a man in the sky who told him to run. Uh, I think all of them said at one point or another that they believe there's a man in the sky who told them to run. Yes, no. I believe you're right. No, yes. They had to. Yeah, yeah, they had to. So apparently. Right. Apparently, so there you go. They had to. Not only is there a man in the sky who told them to run, but he's indecisive. <laughs> Because he told like eight of them, I need I need twelve of you to run. I'm not telling you who the other ones no. are. They, they totally he misunderstood the the the, the, the candidate misunderstood. No, God was telling you to run. run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a smiting oh, mood. I don't know. It's very much like watching the Monty Python sketch with this you know the silly party. <laughs> With like, <laughs> like what are the what? You're betting someone ten thousand dollars at the podium to come up with what? What the well, heck? Well, and and here's the thing: in this last century, there were actually leaders of real countries who did insane <laughs> things. I I I, I did some research today. 
Um, I mean, we know, you know, about some of the, uh, the the more famous ones, but I'd never heard of this guy, Enver Hoxha, who was prime minister of Albania in 1944. Enver Hoxha. Yeah. Enver Hoxha. He, um, he wasn't just satisfied with just the in- insignificant post of prime minister. No, he took all the cabinet jobs for himself, oh. calling himself comrade, chairman, prime minister, foreign minister, minister of war, commander in chief of the People's Army, Enver Hoxha. Mm. Or ah. Skip, for short. Skip. Yes. <laughs> and then... Here comes Skip. And My then friends call me sir. He forbade the ownership of color televisions and typewriters oh, all the way until Pirate. the 1980s Jeez. because they were a distraction from the true Albanian way of life, which, of course, was communism. And, and starvation. Yes, and starvation. And then, at some point, he banned men from growing beards. Well, I mean, this is like, how about Kim Jong-il? No cell phones, no internet. You have to, uh, the, the people wake up every morning singing songs that praise Kim Jong-il, and there's statues of him and murals of him everywhere. I mean, I don't know if you saw Inside North Korea. I have a similar rule in my house. It's like the Inside North Korea. Lisa Lee went not? there and got, I mean, you have to, it was on uh, National Geographic I saw Channel. It. What is that? Uh, yeah. Spectacular. She goes there, and she's got this camera. I mean, she's risking her life. Yes. There's a dude following they're her taking, the whole time. They're taking footage that they are absolutely absolutely not supposed to be taking the whole time i'm watching it because i know she's still alive i'm thinking but i'm still like oh my god get out of there but i mean the the level of insanity the level of narcissism and it's all to control he doesn't want anyone having cell phones or internet to get those pesky ideas about how things might be different it's not a country it's a cult yes well before cult with nation borders before we start you know calling out other nations entirely on this sort of thing let me point out that i believe it was last week that mississippi Finally uh-huh. outlawed slavery. Yes. <laughs> right. I was wondering yeah. how did that talking how did about that slip sanity through the cracks? Absolutely. The 13th Amendment. How did that slip through the cracks? And really? it is illegal in some states to grow your own food in your front or backyard. Yes. This is another form of insanity because yeah. I'm sorry. Why would I not be allowed to grow yeah. my own food? Oh, because then I could just be self sufficient. That's that's uh, insanity, and but control defined as insanity. Yeah, it's, it's another. It, one of yeah, it's, Monsanto wants to control what sanity is. I know, you know they do. So enjoy your bag of frozen fish tits. <laughs> <laughs> We've Thanks engineered fish to grow much bigger tits. There will be plenty tits. of food this year. But mm. fish don't have tits. The Monsanto has made them. I they do now. haven't seen tomorrow's flounder. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow's flounder. Ta, 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 ta. Do you think that artists are perhaps the most sane because they take their insanity and channel it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely oh, yeah. think that artists are people who live in, in imagination and... And Especially around you, Kelly. Well, well, I think I didn't know it was such a. I mean, there's nothing yes. like unzipping someone's head. No, he means none of us head. exist. We're all in your imagination. Oh, that, of course. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, Oscar <laughs> Levant said, "There's a fine line between genius and insanity, and I have erased this line." I mean, oh, I love that. that Oscar yeah. Levant also on his morning show at one point said, <laughs> "Did I take the yellow one yet? I know I took the blue one, honey. Did I take the yellow one yet?" <laughs> now, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid in elementary school, uh, other kids would call me weird. And that was sort of like, to me, the same thing as calling me insane. You're weird. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I had the instinct to say, thank you. Yep. And they wanted sure. to insult me and, and put me down with that. And, and because I thought, what's the alternative? Being boring or normal, whatever that means? I had much the same experience. They would call me weird and I would say thank you. And then they would hit me. <laughs> Just uh, being a boy, being a boy, it's different. Well, that explains a lot. So I want to know, what is the most 
insane thing you have ever done in your life? Hmm. I'll start just to get the ball rolling while you guys think. Uh, So I was uh, in my 20s. I was married to a gentleman who uh, was one of those kind of genius slash insane people. And uh, one night uh, he uh, told me that we were going – oh, he was a cocaine uh, addict as I was with him at the time. And uh, he was a car mechanic and he fixed cars of people who dealt drugs because we always had the best stuff and we had like literally mixing bowls full of it and it was so pure we had to cut it. And so one night he told me we're going to a Mexican restaurant in the valley and that while we were in there, somebody was going to put something in the trunk of our car and then we were going to take it back to our house. And I willingly got in the car, not really thinking about what it was. And uh, we went and had dinner and we got in the car. And as we were driving home, he told me that there was a kilo of cocaine in the trunk of our car and that um, he wanted to take it back to my parents' house which we were living at, by the way. He was living in my bedroom. He was 10 years older than me. My parents let him live in my bedroom with me. I was 19. And uh, when we got there, he said, "Uh, look, (laughs) um, I need to bury this so that uh, we can store it somewhere, but I won't bury it on your parents' property. I'll bury it just outside their property line. And I, in my 19-year-old fucked up wisdom, thought, that sounds really intelligent and a smart thing to do. Okay. (laughs) And I let him bury a kilo of cocaine right outside my parents' property. Uh, So that was like one of the most kind of insane acts I ever did. You know, I don't think of stuff that uh, are done under the influence of addiction. That's a kind of insanity. Addiction is a kind of insanity. Um, When I was doing blow all the time, I did all sorts of, I went and had sex with a, woman and her boyfriend in the Hollywood Hills because they hinted at a guest house I might be able to sleep in. And that's not <laughs> rational thinking. But yeah, that's what addiction but does. I think the 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 most insane thing I I ever did was move to Los Angeles with $500 in my pocket mm. because a movie producer said he liked my first screenplay. Wow. You know. So that made it that's a viable yeah investment. it's it's a it certainly is a, a risky thing to do it was nuts it was i was oh, i was inflating his appreciation for one script for reality career. Right, i was right. mistaking fantasy for reality mm-hmm. i had no idea you know how little time it takes to use up five hundred dollars <laughs> yeah uh, in, in los angeles i had no means of support wow. I, I you know i just that but youth itself is a form of insanity. I think I you're think. right. I think mm. youth is a, a form of insanity. I think it's it's what uh it's 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 what youth is about. I mean, it is about if you're going to go crazy at any time in your life, do it in your 20s instead of your 60s. Yeah, it, <laughs> it don't read right when you do it later, kid. Take it from pops. <laughs> hey, thanks, pops. Thanks, man. Anyone else have an insane story to tell? Uh, you know, I, I kind of agree with Dylan's definition as well, just because I, uh, I mean, I, I left with about $1,400 and I, I had a 32 foot U-Haul with my car towed behind it. That was a car my great aunt had left me in her will. Mm-hmm. Actually, my uncle just said, no, let's give it to Chris. He needs a car. <laughs> and, um, the just a months before both tires had shred when I drove them across the country. But I and when I got here, 
there was no apartment for me that was promised. So suddenly I was doing couch surfing. But I also think that's all that it's funny because like we're referring to that as insanity. And to me, that seems like something that is an outsider's perspective, like someone who's in the norm, like I must, you know, we must pay our bills on time, which I agree with. I'd like uh, I to mean, learn how to actually, do that. Actually, it's, it's, pi- <laughs> it's pioneering in some ways because I mean, this is what the pioneers did. They took all of their possessions and what little money they had and they went west. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I knew if I stayed in that one town any longer, I would die in it doing the same thing. Right. But um, go ahead, Dylan. Almost none of the pioneers came west because someone said, I like your script. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> but they, too, had dreams of – and maybe they aren't weren't connected to reality of, you know, of – I mean, maybe right. they got a little piece of land or something, but they thought of, you know, this land is going to turn into this and, and I'm going to, you know, be able to provide for my family. And instead, you know, the crops wouldn't grow and uh, the kids all got whooping cough and uh, were die- dead in six months. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> <laughs> so a friend of mine passed away and we all hung out and uh at the wake kind of thing after after the wake uh drank shots of tequila or something and played this game with uh, one of these little alligator toys where you if you you push the teeth and if it closes on your hand you drink right. it was like ah, drink you whatever <laughs> and then before you know it um all five or six of us uh decided to take all our clothes off and run down the suburban street <laughs> Completely naked, and I could not have given a shit. I just, I, it was all like, you know, it was for our friend. I'd be like, well, whatever, you know. It, it, but uh, that felt insane, but it also felt like something from, you know, uh, uh, what was the guy who directed American Pie, or no, not American Pie, uh, George uh, Lucas, American Beauty, you know, like, Alan Ball. It, I, like felt like something well you'd find in an Thank Alan you. Ball movie, you know, like <laughs> uh, with the music dun, 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 behind it, like. Something happened emotionally and the sound affected them. I'm naked at two in the morning with people that get up. And, yeah, that was that felt a little. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you the moment that felt close when I under felt like I understood what insanity is about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, I took acid with a friend of mine and walked on a golf course uh, in midwinter in uh, Massachusetts. And it was very late at night and there was no light. We were walking along a pathway and there was a very dark shadow in front of us on the pathway. And we started to get very nervous about this dark shadow because we began to believe that it might contain evil. And yet we decided that we had to overcome our fear and just step into the shadow and see where that took us. And as we stepped into the shadow on the ground, we could see our feet disappearing through the pavement into very cold evil. And collectively. Both of us were feeling that we were having this shared experience. And we were like holding each other's hands and trying to figure out what the hell was going on and how we were touching evil this directly and then realized we had walked ankle deep into a water hazard. <laughs> and, but up until that moment when yes. we figured out what the reality was that we were distorting, I was going, this is what descent into insanity feels like. Wow. When you can see the evil and then when you walk into it, you actually feel the cold evil mm. gripping you. Mm. That's the descent into it. That's where it's, oh my God. Well, oh, it's a wa- it's water. Yeah. Well, yeah. that, uh, the only thing that I have had remotely close to that experience was also drug related. When I, um, 
ate maybe six times more than I should have of uh, edible marijuana chocolate bar at the Prince concert <laughs> and proceeded to become convinced that I was going to be sucked into the center of the earth and killed as if the sucking into the center of the earth was not already going to kill me. Once I was taken there, I was going to be killed. And um, I proceeded to uh, hallucinate and have like living nightmares. And I thought that the drum set on the stage that Prince's drummer was using, the cymbal was impinging on me and it was going to uh, like lift off of the drum set and spin and, and slice my, my head off. Wow. And, and it was really terrifying. And I, I did not know that one could overdose on mm. marijuana mm. until that moment. Mm. Um, and so that was, that was terrifying. And, yeah. and that, that gave me a sense of why I never up until that moment had taken mushrooms or dropped acid because yeah. I never wanted to feel the way I felt out at of that control moment. like that. Yeah. But what's interesting about your question about what's the most insane thing you've ever done? I was thinking about that looking back on my life, and I think that probably every major decision I ever made would be considered by many people to be completely insane. Yeah. So I was in a PhD program at uh, Brown to get a PhD in psychology, and I left after my master's, but I was a PhD dropout. So I dropped out of my PhD program at Brown. And so some people would be like, um, that's not a good idea. That's, that's crazy. And then I got a nine to five job in Boston and quit my job to become an actor, hmm. right? Right, right. Because I did extra work on Spencer for Hire one day and somebody said, oh, you could work all the time in this town. So I said, uh, okay. So I quit my job and mm. then became an actor. And it actually ended up going well for me. Or even moving to New York City when I didn't know a soul and then moving to Los Angeles when I didn't know a soul mm -hmm. or becoming a stand-up comedian who uses the word nigger in her act and be willing to do that in a room full of people that were black. Right. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. you really want to do that? That might be insane. <laughs> you might want your friends to follow you to your car after, the, you know, you perform in case you get beaten up if people don't really appreciate or understand or get your sense of humor. That could be considered insane. But to answer your question, <laughs> the most insane thing I've ever done is to get married. Ah. I got married when I never wanted to get married in a million years, and I let the man wear me down and be charming and persistent, and finally I said, okay, fine. Yeah, that's me. And then I realized that I had married the most insane person I had ever met, but because he was so brilliant and charming, I didn't know until the day after we got married. Mm. So the day after the wedding, everything that we had agreed to, he said, oh, by the way, um, I want you to quit acting because we don't need the money. We're never moving out of Boston. In fact, we're never moving out of Longwood Towers, which was the complex that we lived in. He said, I want you to go off the pill right now. We're having kids right now. And I don't respect your traditions. There will never be a Christmas tree in my house. And then he went back to sipping his orange juice. Wow. And I... I mean, the only reason I had agreed to marry him is because I said, we need to sit down and make sure that, you know, we're on the same page with big picture things. And then it devolved quickly into maybe the most insane moment of my life, which was when I used to pretend to be asleep when he would come home at night so that I wouldn't have to talk to him. And one night when I was pretending to be asleep, he came over to my ear and whispered, you are nothing without me. <laughs> Oh, oh, wow. Jesus Christ. Thinking that I was asleep, but I wasn't asleep, so now I know this. Wow. So good luck leaving a person 
who hypnotizing you, you who you who you are convinced if you leave him will have you killed yeah. or kill you himself. So yeah. was that movie Gaslight or what? No. Gaslight yeah. and Sleeping with the Enemy was very Sleeping similar. Yeah. Enemy, yeah, yeah, creepy. Well, stuff. creepy. I, I know for me, I mean, I had serious panic uh, disorder in my life, and so I I felt insane for about ten years of my life. Mm. I felt insane. I could drive my car only on certain roads in Los Angeles, only a certain distance from my house. Um, I, when I started UCLA, I was knee deep in this panic attack syndrome and I would have only certain routes I could walk on the campus. Otherwise I felt like something was going to trigger a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And I, I lived this way and I didn't tell anybody about it really. I, I told my, my shrink and my mom and, um, and it was, it was horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying to to because I felt like I had no control over my body or my mind. And it was terrifying, terrifying. When I was when I was suffering from the worst of my depressions, there was some stuff that I think would would qualify as madness. Um and as it would come to a head and then I would force myself to just sit and write and not do anything else until it passed. It was how I got some of my best writing done hmm. because I, I would get, I would do a screenplay in a week and a half <laughs> because I can't leave. I can't leave. If I go out, if I go out, if I talk to people, Is they're going to know. Is it a good screenplay? It's shootable. I don't know. Move me to LA. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Some of them were good. Some of them not so much. And after I was done, I could tell. You know, I couldn't tell right. until I was done and, and I could read them. Boy, that's some dedication but, to a But thing. it was just, I, I just have to stay here and work. Because if I if I talk to anybody, they're going to know that I have lost my mind. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, oh, yeah. they'll smell me coming because I'm not showering anymore. So that's, yeah. quite a, you know. that's a screenwriting shortcut tip there. It, that's right. <laughs> just think that everyone thinks you're crazy and bury yourself away till the masterpiece is done. Uh, Do you have clinical depression? Lucky you. Lucky you. You may have a future in screenwriting. <laughs> well, I will take this opportunity to say my my ebook, The Modern Depression Guidebook, is available at authorium.com. You can buy it right now. Perfect. Uh, it has handy tips for how to improve your depression, get your lowest possible lows, <laughs> your deepest possible blues. Yeah, I, um, I, Suzanne, when you were uh, studying, getting your master's, did you sit with clients? Did you have to go into clinics? And no, I studied cognitive psychology, oh, okay. so it was the most quantitative. It was more like uh, experiments on vision and perception and attention and language acquisition and memory disorders. So you and never had like to that. sit with a bipolar or a borderline or a no? Was yeah. that? I, you know, I had, I had a couple of times where, I mean, I made sure that I didn't go to the, there were people who were going to clinics, I mean, with no experience at all. And they were throwing these people into like running support groups for schizophrenics and stuff. I mean, that's what they do to interns. And I made sure that I didn't, uh, that I, you know, stayed away from that and tried to get closer to the more functioning people. But, um, I was a, uh, intern at my first job was an intern at, uh, Topanga Elementary School. And there was a mother of a kid, darling little girl. I mean, she was in kindergarten. She was having a- acting out issues. And of course, acting out issues for a kid means parents are fucked up. And, uh, mother comes in and I hadn't, I'd heard about borderline personality disorder and borderline features. Didn't really, I mean, I read about it, but you don't really know what it is. And then this person walked into the room and literally it felt like the, the life was being sucked out mm. of me. And, and this person was forming a, a picture of reality that was so twisted. And suddenly I was part of it and involved. It, mm. I can't even describe it unless you know what I'm talking about I out do. there. And, and I thought to myself, 
that to me felt like evil. It was like there was a chill in the air. It was so terrifying. I married him that, because, yes. because it, he was so good at it that after yes. a while I started to think maybe it's not him. Maybe it's right. me. And that's yeah. exactly maybe what they I have crazy. you think. Yep, it is. Yeah. They, they have you think that you're starting to be crazy. But yeah. it's That's what most evil is just based on need. Yeah. Oh, true. You know, yeah. to, a, to a gazelle, a tiger is evil. But to the cubs, that's mom, you know. <laughs> That's, yes, that's true. Yeah, but when the, the mom makes the cubs start to go to dance class, because she never got to be the dancing tiger she wanted to be. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, the, that's so the Disney beautiful. animation we never get to see. That's right. You are the Lion right. King. No, you wanted to be the Lion King. That's right. <laughs> Stage mother tiger. I just wanted to be a lion, for God's sake. <laughs> Mother lion. Lioness. I was Lioness. in uh, cognitive therapy uh, briefly. It was not, I've been in a lot of different CBE therapies. CBE, as they call it out there. And uh, I found it to be the least useful of the therapeutic forms for me. Oh, I wasn't a th- uh, into um, therapy. She was doing research, actually. You yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't about being Yes, it was all about doing research. It was all about doing research. But you were doing yes. cognitive behavioral I, therapy. I, I, you know, I had seen uh, a fairly strict Freudian therapist for a time when I was in college. With, the strict uh, and, Freudian. Does um, he uh, beat you with his cigar? Yeah. No, but I'll tell you, uh, there was a horrible <laughs> moment... Uh, and it, it was the, one of the school's therapists. Right. You know, they had this sort of small group. Who, yes, were who were studying to it right to be analysts. And uh, and I was sitting with him. I'd been seeing him for, I don't know, four months. And I'd been talking about this woman who had broken my heart and it was still screwing with my head. And it was because we were at the same small school and we saw each other all the time and I was still in love with her. And and uh, at one point I mentioned it was, and, you know, and then there she is. There's Susan Vosberg again. When I, and he said, oh, you're that Dylan. And then I couldn't. Oh. I couldn't. No, he did anymore. not. Yeah, he just blurted it out. And oh. I was like, oh, oh my God. God. Um, go. One of the things oh, I loved God. about studying psychology was that every single theory you study, whether it's Freud or Jung or Maslow or the cognitive behavior, whatever, whatever their theory of the psyche is, is a pure mirror of their own personal insanity. Of course. Here's what and I, I found just out. loved that. Hecklers can only attack you with the arsenal that would hurt them. Mm. And that carries out, this goes to trolls online. And uh, the thing, because that's the only arsenal they're familiar with. Right. What would hurt the, me? And, it's the voice you, in their head. It's a martial arts thing. Take one step back, go whoop, whoop, whoop. Okay, those are your moves. That's how you think. Gotcha. Uh-huh. You just opened right. your hard drive to me. Uh-huh. Every attack wow. shows you. All, they open their bank account passcodes when they attack yeah. you. Wait, so can <laughs> they show you? They'll only hit you with what they brilliant. think would hurt you. you so know. can you give a, a specific example of something you know that a heckler would say, and then how you could take a step back, and and then and then what what to say back? Because I'm not very good at handling. Yeah, hecklers. it's tips for hecklers. Let's go. What tips for hecklers. Seriously, how do, how do you how does one do that? Like, well, th- there's two ways to go about it. If the crowd's so on your side that you could pound them, and they would like that you pounded them, mm-hmm. that they would go with you. But sometimes they don't. If it's even fifty fifty, not sure who's going to win. Right. L- let them hit a couple of times. Ah. Absorb two hits. Don't be like a, an '80s sitcom where it's zing. Someone says something and zing. Someone hits better, and then we go to commercial. Right now, it's more like The Office. The douchebag says something. Long hang with everyone's eyes looking at each other and jaws open. <laughs> now you're arming the entire crowd to be on your side for whatever comes next. Oh. Then you can very subtly st- milk it out a little bit, play and let them keep talking. Why? Here's your rope, stupid. It takes eight knots. Enjoy, enjoy. But do you match him at whatever level he has attacked you with? No, or do you come from a no, different, a different, no. a different side? A- 
like the technique is keep returning to questions. You're shutting off his maker for him to go to a file for question answering now. <laughs> He can't make his own statement anymore because you've switched lobes in his head by asking him a question. The, ah. You've activated. If you watch like an infrared uh, scan of his head above the brew, all the color jumps to <laughs> the other side of his head. The other change, hemisphere, other hemisphere. The, the other change side, for me side in goes dealing red. with hecklers came from Overton, actually. Oh, cool. In, uh, I want to say, 87, mm-hmm. whenever Chrissy Francis's Hollywood comedy room was happening. Yeah, Chrissy, sure. Um, uh, Rick gave me the key, and from then on, it became easier. Uh, hecklers... As annoying as they are, they genuinely believe they are helping and they want to be helpful. (laughs) They think you're having trouble and they will help you by giving you material to work from by shouting, (laughs) from out there in the darkness somewhere. Oh, yes. So So then what do you do with that help? Then you have all – once you realize that they just want to be helpful – you no longer have to feel confrontational with them, and you can you can ask them questions. You can open Talk up to them. them. Like a Give uh, them their moment. So, so don't be defensive about let, it. Let them come for a minute, and very quickly it will become apparent that they are not as funny as you are. They just want their stage time, they, but then yeah, they, they, they will prove themselves to be. Um, but and, see, this, I think Jimmy Brogan is a master of that, They're, and almost he set it up so no one can. It would, it would never occur to anyone to say anything mean to Jimmy, but. It's a great technique of just keep drawing it in. You, uh, the better I will look, the worse you will look if you right. want to make it so like that. So you let them right. hang themselves, basically. But, but also nowadays, I'll try to convert them to a friend. Yeah. And I'll try to give them the bump, as the jump. As long as you're friendly that, to them. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the next thing that's interesting to me to do. And, and Except bit, that I've seen your father, Kelly, do castrate, quite the opposite castrate, of that and, well, and do fantastic <laughs> in Well, by then he was an icon yeah. and everybody was on his side. It, it, yeah. That's the thing. He had an the, army of already he, beloveds. Yeah, that that is very true. His pos, his, his power position was was different yeah. than a comic in, a, in a, maybe a comedy club who's not. So does that mean some, you think when he was first starting out, he didn't handle hecklers that way? Uh, he got very defensive and he was always angry at people like that. He, he did not. He did not like them. But his style sets that yeah. up. Not everyone's style ramps that, that part yeah, up. True. Yeah, yeah. And it comes is... out of the blue. The audience true. gets he's, shocked He's sort him. of a ranter in any way. Yeah, yeah. And during his cocaine days, he was quite a rager. <laughs> but I, I'm wondering, like, if, you know, dealing with hecklers is kind of like how you might deal with an insane person on a corner. You know, you kind of want to you want to befriend him a little <laughs> bit. You know, you want to talk him down. You yeah. want to, you know, mm-hmm. tell him, you know... Uh, you don't have to come at me, you know. It's okay. You can put the knife down. I don't, the, the last major heckler I experienced had no knife. <laughs> Good. But it was it was in Pittsburgh, and it was a bachelorette party, and there, you know, they just, in fact, the entire table seemed to be like, no, oh, we are in our own world. It's on our cruise through other human beings' lives that we can observe without them hearing or alcohol whatever. induced. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was. Um, it felt really good, like it was like it, it was handled somehow well. But I, I checked in with the audience a couple of times and did some things that actually had nuance in them. <laughs> yes, and 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 that were long strings of things together, uh-huh. and then would do a look to the table, <laughs> and then we'd have a pause, and the audience was like, and look at them, and I'd, I'd make some eye contact. Yeah, oh, it's not, it's not me. <laughs> It's you, and then then it became a deconstructing of that person's soul, persona, life, whatever. Now, if this were another situation, my guess is you'd be doing. You're one of those people that that is that sees that there's a hold up in the front and doesn't let the first person who notice go out into the next lane. You jump ahead because it's your life. You know what? And it, and it built up to all these little things that added to like the audience all with me, which I thought was going to be a good thing uh-huh. because they'd notice like 
oh, but it, it again kind of fed them. Yeah, you know? because yeah. their narcissism yeah. got They're fed. Like, oh, we changed everything. The show is now about us. Yeah. But it I, did yeah. feel good to do. I had a moment in Indianapolis last <laughs> year uh, that shocked me. It, uh, as as you may or may not know, a lot of my act is very well constructed, and I don't I don't improvise a lot when I'm performing. It's just not how I work. I I am I am metered and I am paced, and I know what I'm going to be saying next and mm-hmm. what I have just said, and it all fits together very nicely. And there was a man in the audience in Indianapolis who shouted at me when I got on stage, take off your scarf. Now, I admit, the <laughs> scarf that I wear is utterly pompous and an affectation. <laughs> but I don't expect the audience members to comment on it. It's part of me setting up who I am and just how pompous I am. And generally, it has a sort of a soothing effect on the audience. So, Ooh, he's, he's an asshole. We don't want to fuck with him. <laughs> we will just let him talk at us. And if we don't like him, we'll think he's a professor we don't like. You know, but this guy felt it was very important to tell me right off the bat, take off your scarf. And I said no and went on with what I was doing. And uh, as soon as I finished my first piece, he shouted, take off your scarf. Wow. Fashionista in Indianapolis. And I said, I'm not not taking off my scarf, sir. Why why is this so very important to you? And he said, "Uh, take off your scarf. And I said, you are not the arbiter of my fashion choices. And a man on the other side of the room shouted, take off your pants. And I said, he is the arbiter of my fashion choices. And I took off my pants. And did the next several minutes. And then I realized I couldn't because I had no pockets. And they're very important to my demeanor. And I put them back on. But it, it, it shocked me that I was taking off my pants on stage. And yet it was a total welcoming of what was going on in yes. the room. It was, it was, you know, allowing myself to be there. Did the audience the love that? Oh, yes. You took your pants off? Oh, yes. That you second know. guy See? came in handy. And this shows that I think part of the reasons we are artists is because we get to do insane things like yes. that. Because that is an act of insanity. That is kind of Most people of at their job, if someone said, take, <laughs> take off your you pants, and you pants. did, they would be <laughs> escorting you to the loony bin. Right. I <laughs> now understand why I was fired from Subway. <laughs> <laughs> Not while making a sandwich. <laughs> oh yes, while rule. making a sandwich. Yeah. I guess the craziest thing I've done is something I'm about to do is just try to relaunch my stand-up career at 58 years old. Wow. People tell me, "What are you doing? Hmm. You want to go back on the road now? Hmm. The dwindling road now?" And I like since set list, the bug got me and now there's nothing I can do about You're it. You're sharp I'm as so, a tack out there, there's man. There's nothing man. insane about that at nothing. all. Nothing. In fact, it's at a gift age. to America. But see that that goes to show what we we're talking about, the, you know, cultural norms. I mean, this is what, you know, the culture wants you to to decide that you're a certain age and you do certain things and it looks like this and this now you now it's your turn to do that. And everything we've talked about today is how we've made choices to walk away from how the culture wants us to do. I mean, our job is to literally, you know, swim against the stream. And I mean, you know, in his day, Jesus looked insane. Buddha looked insane. You know, I mean, I'm not comparing us. At the risk of being a dick, let me say, it is not literally to swim against the stream. No. No. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Did that's, I say literally? You did. I, think you did. I meant um, figuratively. Thank you. Thank you. I can't even it, say it, that it's, word. It's actually figuratively. Figuratively. Thank you, Dylan. Figuratively. For, for me, I've had See, did I tell you these people are going to be fucking correcting my grammar today? <laughs> I would like all of us just to do like the noises that we associate with insanity that come from Warner Brothers cartoons for just a moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Susan and Dylan, irregardless 
<laughs> and my name's not Susan. Suzanne. You know that. Ooh. Oh my God. That's that funny. was insane of you to say that. Crazy. Take your life into your hands. I think he was talking to me and he was calling you Dylan. <laughs> That's, right. That's a much sexier. Say, how choice. many wrong things can I say in my <laughs> uh, Let me just um, uh, read some of these other quotes here. Uh, yeah. First of all, I was you know I always look up quotes for do these shows when I come up with a big topic, and so I go to I type in insanity quotes in Google, and I go to the first quote page that has you know best insanity quotes or whatever, <laughs> and the very first quote uh, was. <clears throat> The reason I talk to myself is because I'm the only one whose answers I accept. George Carlin. <laughs> I was going to say, my does father your dad, yeah. uh, is the uh, top quote in the insanity category. Love it. Wow. And he has another one, too, actually, which is my favorite insanity quote that he did, which is uh, those who dance are considered insane by those who cannot hear the music. Oh, that I was like your dad? That. Yes. Wow. I didn't know that was Beautiful. your dad. Yeah. Nice. You know, he Beautiful. was a thoughtful human being and the Jedi uh, Master. Sometimes insane. Definitely insane. You know what my favorite insanity is? I studied the DSM because it's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Thank it, you. it has um how many uh it has something like three hundred and sixty five ways you can define a mental problem with somebody you know it's the book where you have to sit there and like tell the insurance companies what label this person has and is she bonkers or is she <laughs> not so bad shit is she <laughs> off <Nutbag>? her rocker <laughs> is she wackadoo <laughs> that would be fantastic i want to make that book in the south and be a wackadoo but one of the things i learned about uh, uh in psychology school when i was in psychology school yeah. Um, was uh, something called. I like it when every sentence is a question. Thank you. Uh, something called folly adieu. Do you know what this is? No. Please Silly tell goodbye. Us. It's when you're you are really delusional, uh, absolutely delusional. Conversation. And someone shares the exact same delusion <gasps> with you, and it has a has a connected relationship to you. Like you are both inside the same delusion. delusion. Are you yeah. About, you mean the tea party? <laughs> yes. Do you know that your wife thinks she's the Queen of England? <laughs> yes, and I am the Prince Consort. Yes. It's that so thing. It's yes. an improv game, really. It, it wow. is. Yes, it is. But but it's and I and this is a real thing that they've discovered that sometimes people who are living in a house who are isolated and one of them is delusional, their delusions it's like will menstruating start to, at the same time yes. with other women. It'll start to transfer right? into the other person's mm -hmm. psyche. Well, I, I think my parents are like that in that they are both convinced that my father is convincing people he's straight. Ah, I think that's a that would be a folly. If, if I do. you want to see yeah. the effect of others around you, go to a whole life expo full of energy, life, hope, and vitality. Yes. and then step outside to your car again in three hours. <laughs> yes, that's true. And you're like a slug that just went onto the Bonneville Salt Flats. There, it is so true. It, well, it's like living leaving a Buddhist retreat after ten days of doing silent meditation, and then you're driving down the hill and you have to get gas, and it's uh you know a Chevron with the you know the store in it or whatever, and you walk inside the store and it's like you realized you've entered the most insane world there is because there's stacks of colored sugar water 
everywhere Crap. in this variations. store. Death, in garbage. variations, colored sugar water in variations. It's all basically the same thing, but they have different colors on the cans and the boxes. And then they have different shapes of this food stuff that some of it's orange and some of it's pink. And, and none of it's, it's food. And none yeah. of it's food. It's just like you're going, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, our society, uh, specifically American society, is all designed to keep us from looking inward ever for a second. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so then reflecting it Anything outward. you do, anything That's you do that right. involves looking inward. For, I, I meditate at the end of a class for 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. And by the time I get to the gas station, the world seems very strange. Why is there a TV screen in my gas pump? <laughs> Look how free I am. It just it makes no sense at all. Yeah. yeah. I, I need to watch commercials I while I you. pump yeah. gas. How is that Here's reality? how you should think. Here's how you should, you should think. You should what you should think about Plus, that's correct. And the weather just to make you feel comfortable for no reason while you're putting your We guests. used to watch those science fiction films in the 60s and 70s where someone just goes in front of a screen while they're being programmed with data. Right. Yeah. And now, you know, we're, we're we joking go. and we're, we can smile a little bit, but we're mostly, we spend more than half a day looking at a screen. Yes, we for do. For everything. Yep. If you type LOL more often than you laugh out loud, <laughs> something ah. is wrong with the way your life works. If you works. type LOL ever, something is I wrong. I do. You know, I do in a little smiley face. When, uh, you're not. When I, I took psychology. Actually, when I, act, I have to actually laugh out oh, loud, okay. and then I will type it. Oh, right. Right. That's, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would actually be typed as. You know, type so that LOL, shit LOL, out. LOL, laugh out loud, out loud. Out loud, loud what? Out loud, out loud. I was thinking earlier when you were saying that we should all get the, the dashboard cams, mm-hmm. that I don't actually need one because I tweet in real time everything that has happened. <laughs> while I drive. Have to tweet, have to tweet. You were going to say something. Oh, yeah. In in psychology, one of the tests that they brought up was that, you know, like people would stand in an elevator and someone was, you know, quantifying this. would go into an elevator and everyone looks up at the elevator. They look at the buttons. They look up at the elevator. Mm -hmm. So uh, our experiment as goofy, crazy college students breaking the pattern was to go into the elevator and turn facing somewhere else Mm -hmm. or start talking to someone or do something unusual. Right. Or or go into their public, their private space or something. Their private space. Anything, anything to break it because you forget. Yep. that moment that you're alive and a human and uh, I felt the same thing today at an audition welcome to Hollywood Insanity People, again everyone is looking at the screen looking mm. at the screen I mm. thought you could do the same test with this now because it's become a norm yeah you know hello <laughs> and between them and their face just eyes to their nose hello <laughs> hello human exactly I'm so sorry I have to go Suzanne oh, has to go sweet Kelly but uh, thank you for this and uh, I can leave and you can tell your we love you, jokes. <laughs> we can tell oh, our oh, good jokes. <laughs> I love you. Bye, honey. Thank yes, you. Thank you. I took a psychology lecture in college, and there was a legitimately schizophrenic woman at Sarah Lawrence who was mm. in that same class with me. And, like, I mean, conversations with the people we couldn't see all the time, and insane schizophrenic woman. And she sat quietly in the back of the room through most of the class. Until we got to schizophrenia. And then she had lots of questions. Mm. And she was constantly raising her hand and asking questions. And some of them were coherent and some of them weren't. Mm. But there was the real sense that she was hearing something here and going, oh, wait, I need to know more about this. Sounds interesting to me. There's something there that I need. And I think no matter how insane any of us is, we're all trying to find the uh, the key to it. We're trying to unlock our own sanity. We're we're trying to yeah. figure out. I, I think so. I mean, I, I was going to think that. Like, I was going to ask that. Like, if you're truly, truly in a delusion, 
do you know you're in it? I mean, that's the thing with, with patients like that. One of the things was they would start to take their medication and feel better. And then because they feel better, they think they don't need their medication anymore because they don't really believe that they have schizophrenia and then they don't take their medication and they end up on the street, you know, I mean, homeless. I mean, it's really what happens all the time. Um, and, and yeah, but I, I think... But they can still buy a gun. Yes, that's yes, exactly. <laughs> Look how free we are. Now no, that's free. insane. Uh, yeah, assault rifles. That's insane. I just... Uh, to me, it just, you know, it's a matter of degrees. Uh, yeah, I grew up in, in Texas where, well, yeah, you had a gun. My, my sure. grandfather, my dad both had guns for business, you know, where you have a pistol yeah. and a license to carry it. We also had hunting rifles and a cabinet, and we're taught respect for the cabinet. Da da da. Don't yep, yep. you know? Aim the gun down. Blah blah blah. But then assault rifles. You need something that shoots multiple bullets out at one. Right. No, no. What are you going to hunt? How with is that? that not a definition people, of insanity? You know? People who say we need to be able to have that. The I'm thing just, is, I don't it's get crazy because it. the race war keeps not occurring. And that's why these guys are thinking they're all trying to make a. Uh, they're all trying to make a, a race war occur. This is some. These are some. Really messed up thinking guys are given really a lot of authority. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no screening for that to give well, this, these guys, you know, you their know, authority. When I had John Dean on, and the that's show, crazy to me. We talked about um, the authoritarian sociopath and how the conservative thinking. They have proved that there's that conservative thinking leads can lead to more likely authoritarian sociopathy mm. than it's, a, it's attractive to nut cases because frankly in this room who wants that job show of hands nobody why we got other plans entirely right that don't involve doing that to well, others and the thing it's about control and power yeah. and those two things and and it, and and if you cut off your ability to have empathy for other people control mm. and power gets much easier yeah. Because then you can just move people around like numbers and objects. And it doesn't just happen in that job. It also happens uh, for uh, EMTs. Yes. Anyone that just sees so much horror, you have to and shut off. Owners. And club owners. <laughs> the horror. And <laughs> watching Monday nights. And, at and reality show producers. That's correct. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and at print shops. And and so these are a lot of the people who <laughs> have the power and have, and have all the guns and have the little nuclear weapons, too. It's very, 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 very fun. Well, no wonder like I this, feel insane. With this meteorite passing. Yes. Uh, and another one. We got hit by three different angles from different meteorites right. all uh, in, in a one after the next, it was crazy. Period. Yeah, well, that was my uh, thought. So, it was like, where are the others? Because they are we in like a belt? And right. Are we are, are we entering an unannounced belt? Right. And yeah. this is going to start being like a movie we saw. Yeah. Like seven Will, years ago. Will, Will Smith. Will, Will be Smith. Involved. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> when do we stop depopulating? each other and let let's start gathering because nature has other plants for she us does. entirely it looks like yes. we're just getting little warning shots yeah. here and the day comes and a big rock is coming and all that stuff you thought was so important yeah. and you're hearing you've got a week and a half and we never set up the missile defense system for yeah. it just you're watching its shadow come yeah. you're going to feel pretty bad about all the other fellow humans you killed just because of something some adult told you when you were little and that doesn't mean that adult knew any better just because you heard something when you're little, most of this is just stuff something heard what someone heard when they were little. Yeah, you, know you, didn't, you yep. don't know shit when you're little. It's true. You know what the I think the missed opportunity was that could have changed the course of modern humanity. What the missed opportunity was this: one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. American flag. <laughs> <laughs> that was the missed opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> when, well said. When someone went uh -huh. to the moon, looked down on the earth, and went, "Wow." My nation. <laughs> my moon. It's yes. my moon. Yeah. I don't see any borders from here. Ta-ta-ta-ta. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just created about my own border. <laughs> and, and, and he just put up, you know, this new flag that just had the earth in the middle of a blue field. You know? Yeah. Boink. Well, what's... Oh, different world. Oh. Now we... Oh, now... There is a video, yeah. uh, video around now of astronauts talking about how um, seeing the earth changed their perspective on Yeah, it's everything. called the overview effect. The, uh, the overview actually. effect, which is, yeah, it's Yeah, really cool. it's called the overview effect. There's a great little documentary about it. It's yeah. really smart. It's very, it's very profound. Very um, profound. And yet people who talk about that stuff. They're crazy. They're crazy. They're called Here's insane. the thing about love and peace. You're crazy, too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, the meteorite thing, the thing that surprised me about the meteorite thing, and I'll connect it to something I saw in an airport with a couple of kids as well, is, um, like you said, you know, like, all right, you know, it's another one of those things where something unusual happens and it reminds us. It reminds us we're on a planet and in we're the universe bitty, bitty, and bitty we're little. Small. And the response to it is, "Thank you." Whoa! Wow! And and then hundred people, a thousand people hurt by the because the it's boom. a meteor. The boom! That, thing. And the boom! Yeah, it was all glass. It was it's all glass cuts. That's what all the injuries it was are glass. Insane. <laughs> yeah, we made you the know, injuries. Man made, were hurt completely by man-made series of injuries. And so. I remember seeing um, this one news uh, uh, news report of an airplane, like a, a passenger plane, <laughs> running into a smaller plane, and they had the footage of it. And I remember seeing two kids watching it, and it was part of the news, and people were harmed and shocked about. It and and they just went <laughs> oh because there's so much yeah well, it's been encouragement yeah they're detached from the, the actual experience meaning. or meaning or feeling yeah. or empathy to those people yeah not the and same thing as being in a field and watching the two planes hit and yeah. listening to all the local adults hold their faces because the kids go off it's, of adult it's reference been for all of and this. it's been mediated okay. too because it's on a tv and they see other things it's that are, distancing it's it really is a distancing yeah, yeah. absolutely and any maturity level can put something on tv all right folks well we are done here today Gosh, i know it's, this is crazy we were just getting started <laughs> <It's> crazy <laughs> I had more ways of talking about myself left. We did, and I we didn't even to bring up about negative. Space. And we didn't even bring up Crazy Eddie. Oh, that's crazy! Crazy Eddie. <laughs> crazy Eddie. <laughs> How do we do it? Volume. So, uh, Dylan, is there anything in the next few weeks that you're going to be doing out in the world that uh, you would uh, like other people to know about? I tell stories in the middle of Songwriters Showcase the first Saturday of every month at uh, Coenga General Store, and if you're in Char- Charleston, South Carolina. I'm going to be doing a guest set there uh, the 8th of March. South Carolina. Check out Dylan Brody. Yeah. Go to my website. I don't actually know the name of the club or anything. I can find <laughs> these things out. <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, Mr. Bonaman. Yes. Next month, I am performing at the Brea Improv on the 20th through the tw- 24th with uh, comedian and actor Hal Sparks as the headliner. I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm uh, going to be taping a lot of those shows as well. So come out and be laughy. Also, be laughy. Uh, laughy likely. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I think making words is not insane. Making no, up it's words. Perfectly, it's not, it's perfectly not, normal. It's perfectly um, normal. And, uh, also, um, I'm, I'm going to do another Electric Bonoland soon. I have to get up the gumption and a little dough. Get your gumption but, up. Uh, go look at, at Electric Bonoland. Yeah, go check out Electric Bonoland uh, and uh, the top of your head will blow off too. Yes, sir. And Mr. Overton. Going to be painting the town red. I'm going to start with Silver Lake and just slowly work uh, <laughs> work west. I'm not going to deal with anything east of Silver Lake right now. Yeah. So when I say the town, yeah. start with uh, Silver Lake and try to try to see if I can keep the funding for red paint going. Yes. And yeah. uh, what are, we, are you, will you be doing a straight line or? Oh, no, the whole town. The whole town. Yeah, I'm going to use a spray gun. Okay, all right. Oh, that makes and, sense. Uh, the roller. Uh, the roller. in Santa Barbara soon. Is that correct? And then, 
tomorrow. Tomorrow night, I will be there too. Uh, yay! I'm coming up to watch. Good. Set All list, right. Uh, of Santa course, Bar- I don't know if you. It's set Velvet list on Jones. Friday, uh, February 22nd in Santa Barbara. Velvet Jones, uh, Rick Overton, uh, Natasha Leggero, uh, Moshe Kasher. And uh, some special guests that might show up, and a couple other people too. Paul Prevenz is hosting. Before I forget, I'm supposed to say every time I get near a microphone, follow me on Twitter at Dylan Brody and like my The Dylan Brody Facebook page. Yes, and follow Bonaman and follow oh, Rick yeah, Overton. And then listen to Overview on uh, my podcast on iTunes. God, yes. Yay. So listen good. to fun. Rick's yeah. podcast. It's amazing. And I uh, have a couple things going on in March. Uh, March 17th, I will be guest hosting a show called TMI, which is at Second City. It's a sketch yeah. show. It's yeah, kind of like great. SNL, and I get to be the guest host, and they write skits for me and about me and uh that'll be fun and then uh saturday march 23rd i'm doing a carlin home companion at the acme comedy theater go see that it's a great show and i'm and now it's come west it's it's come east it's come east 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 is east and west west is east it's very insane it's the opposite of what the pioneers did (laughs) and uh so get tickets uh, and go to kellycarlin.com to check out all that crap and uh, I want to thank Logan, and uh, I want to thank the Richard Green uh, Studios that we're in today, and of course, uh, Smodcast. Um, I'm not going to thank the live feed, because it did not work this week, uh, but I want to thank uh, everyone for trying to get the hamsters awake and make them uh, work for us. <laughs> and uh, find me on Twitter, find me on Facebook, and find me in the real world, too. I'm going to end the show with a song by uh, Carrie Cooper called Anything is Possible. Six years old In the summer of 69 Ten o'clock was way past my bedtime In my tiny Texas town The world seemed small when the sun went down And the moon was just a word in a nursery rhyme But all that changed One night in late July Glued to the TV screen Eyes on the sky And I can tell you what I thought When I saw that astronaut Step out on the moon I said goodbye Goodbye little world I'm just a little girl Russia for the gold So goodbye little world I'm just a little
with you. So hello, little world. I'm just a simple girl, and anything is possible. Anything is possible. Hello, little dreams. You are big enough for me. 'Cause anything is possible. Anything is possible. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio, sir. Only at Smodcast.com. <laughs>